Uh, good morning, everyone. Good morning, my brothers and my sisters. Right. Good morning, church survivors around the world. How we get a special show for you this morning? I got a man I followed for many years. His name is Ralph Preston. And he is not only a Cirque survivor, Cirque survivor, but he is committed his life to help each Cirque survivors. We'll get a little bit in that, too. But we're going to hear about a stroke and then how he uses stroke to help people. So let's get into it. So without further ado, let me pick my lovely co-host, Deborah Swayze. How are you Hi doing, there? Good morning, Deborah. Good morning, Aaron. It's going to be a good show, guys. It is. Let's everybody you know. Speaking live, let's bring in Mr. Rob Preston himself. Mr. Rob Preston. Good morning, Rob. Hey. Hey, Deborah. Hey, Aaron. How are you doing? How are you today? Oh, I'm doing okay. That's always the answer. Okay. Why do we, well, that's why better than the alternative. Why did we start by you introducing yourself to the audience, Ralph? Introduce yourself, Ralph. Oh, okay. Well, I'm Ralph Preston and um, had a hemorrhagic stroke at uh, age 58 um, due to uh, high blood pressure. And I had uh, my left side was affected. And. Um, I spent uh, about uh, between the neuro unit and then the rehab hospital. I spent about 22 days in the hospital. And then they sent me home to deal with my stroke like they do the other 800,000 people who have one. You know, like you leave all your resources at the hospital when you get in the car and go home. So um, I set about pretty quickly to... Um, figure out how to get better on my own. I knew I would have uh, outpatient physical and occupational therapy, but I kind of figured anything I could do at home would be good. I had my stroke training for the senior games. I was on my exercise bike with about 15 seconds left to go on a 45 minute ride and my left, my suddenly my feet didn't want to go around anymore. And I thought, well, that's really odd, but I only got 15 seconds left, so I'll just get off the bike and see what's happening. Got off the bike, and I couldn't walk very well at all. I took one step, and I lift my foot about, well, I dragged it the first time, and then I went to lift it, and I lifted it about eight inches off the floor, and I said, well, that's way too high. So uh, and I dragged it again, and after about three steps, I pretty much knew what happened. I didn't know um, very much about strokes. I mean, I knew what a stroke was and, and that kind of thing, but I didn't really um, know very much about them until I had one. But at that moment, I, um, I called my wife and I had her bring me some water. I w when I ride my bike, my hands get numb. About 30% of people ride uh, their hands get numb. Well, so both my hands were numb, but 
my right hand started to come back and my left hand didn't. And then when I took a sip of the water, I noticed that my uh, lips were all like Novocaine, like you just came from the dentist. And I went, ooh, this isn't good. So I said, you know, I think I just had a stroke. And so we called my doctor and I said, I think I just had a stroke. And he said, uh, put your pan coffee down and your pants on. And I said, I got my pants on and I don't drink coffee. And he told me to drive to the hospital. So, which is kind of counter to what they say. If you have a bad stroke, you should call 911 because they can do things to you on the way to the hospital. Of course, they have to come out to your house to get there. And in that time, I drove to the hospital. Anyhow, I walked in the hospital. Yeah. I did. I didn't walk out of the hospital because I kept having the stroke there, um, I guess. I don't know enough about them, but it, uh, obviously it seemed to me that the, I walked in and a couple hours later uh, when they went to do the CAT scan, uh, I said, well, I'll just get up on the gurney. I couldn't stand up. And uh, same when they shipped me off to uh, uh, the bigger hospital in the city. I lived in a very small town uh in the country so they weren't prepared for me aaron do you want me to talk a little bit about my life before that what i was doing and what what it was like yeah that's kind of one of my first questions please describe your life that what it was like before you started okay well if you think i'm a maniac now and intense you should have seen me before the stroke because um, I am a bit of a maniac and I am very intense. And, uh, but I was like, I was off the charts prior to, to my um, stroke. I've been a, um, uh, a videographer, video shooter, editor, producer. I owned my own video company and had 12 employees for about 20 years in Charlotte, North Carolina. In 2000, I got tired of, of, of all that and uh, I sold the business and uh, started working freelance, which I did up until my stroke. And I did a couple of things. Since I lived in the country, there was very, very little um, video business, uh, especially paying stuff. I've always made free videos for nonprofits. I've always helped people way before my stroke and I got into helping stroke survivors. I've produced about, I guess, estimate around 60 uh, videos for nonprofits. I'm not talking about little short things. I'm talking about seven or eight minute shoot for four or five days, edit, you know, real videos. So there was very little in my area. I was a hired gun for a company called Cruise Control, C-R-E-W-S, where they hire crews to go out and shoot. So I did that and I did some uh, free work in my community. Um, Zonta human trafficking, and there was a, a terrible hurricane that killed people. We did a fundraiser, but mostly I traveled on the road. I did national level shows. I flew out of Atlanta to all the places they have meetings, Nashville, Orlando, Palm Springs, Palm Desert, uh, San Diego, um, anywhere there's a golf course and something to do, that's where they have meetings. And uh, so I was a video technical director, and as such, I was responsible for setting up multiple cameras and multiple projectors. And once we set it up, then I would 
talk to the camera people and I would call the cameras and switch. And uh, so I was doing that uh, because that was, you know, what I had to do to support myself. And <clears throat> so uh, I actually shot at a Chick-fil-A for cruise control the day before my stroke. Had no indication that anything was happening or going to happen. I did have a precursor, kind of a warning. I got a, a detached vitreous in my eye in November, and I had my stroke in April. But I didn't know that I had high blood pressure, and I was had started running again. I dropped uh, about 25 pounds and about 20 points off of my blood pressure, and I was thinking I was doing okay. And then I had the stroke, and I'm here to tell you, if you have unmanaged blood pressure, you need to manage it, because I had a stroke at uh, 140 over 90. 140 over 90, okay? Wow. Oh, well, I'm not going to repeat that a third time, but that's where it turns red, okay? That's not, like, buried in the red. That's not 180 over 140 or something crazy like that. So um, I, I preach... Um, managing your uh, blood pressure. I'm an old hippie boy and I didn't want to get on the pills because I said, how am I going to ever get off the pills? Well, guess what? I had a stroke and now I'm on blood pressure pills. And so I don't know what I was not thinking, you know, because I obviously wasn't thinking. So um, that's my story. I, uh, let's see. I insisted on... Um, walking out of the rehab facility. They didn't really want me to. I think it's insurance liability or something. So they told me that um, my physical therapist would have to walk with me. And I said, perfect, because she's the reason I'm going to walk out of here. Well, I had never walked on my own. Um, I didn't walk on my own until about 4 o'clock the day before I was supposed to walk out of the rehab hospital. I was starting to get a little worried about it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And the hospital said that most people um, pose. They uh, hide the wheel. They, they um, wheel them out in a wheelchair. They stand up. They hide the wheelchair. They take a picture, and they put them back in the wheelchair. But I wasn't going to do that. I wanted to put on real clothes, you know, like a real shirt, uh, real pants and walk out of there like a real person. So I did. Well, the day before I was in physical therapy, I, I got to go twice a day. In the morning session, we didn't do anything. In the afternoon session, my therapist, Kathy, was always on my left. I finally asked her why. She said, well, because you'd fall to the left if I wasn't here. And I said, oh, I would? And she said, oh, yeah. Anyway, she was always over there, and I'm walking back to my wheelchair. And I go to look, and I don't see her. And I turned all the way around, and she was back about 15 feet, like your mom or dad when they let go of the bicycle seat. Yeah. When you're five years old, learn how to ride a bike. She'd let go of the um, gate belt like 15 feet back. And I had two realizations. One was, oh, my God, I've walked 15 feet. <laughs> That's good. And the other was, oh, my God, I'm out here all by myself in the middle of <laughs> So, so uh, Kathy sensed that, and she just said, you're fine. Just keep walking to the wheelchair. So I did. So I actually, you know, before I walked out of there, I, I 
all the practices I was that afternoon, I got to walk about 30 feet on my own. But um, we did it. And uh, like everybody else, I got in the car and shut the door and went home. And, and I said, uh, what do I do now? Uh, they asked me if I want to take a wheelchair home. I really didn't. But I was afraid that if I didn't, that um, I might have some, I might need it. And we were planning a trip to a beach to here where I was down in South Carolina and thought we might need it. So I got home and um, after about two or three days in the wheelchair, I said to my wife, um, you know, the longer I sit in this thing, the more afraid I am I'm going to get stuck in it. And so she said, well, let's put it in the laundry room and we'll get it out if you need it. And I said, um, well, I kind of can't walk. I can't make it across the room without, you know, help or whatever. And she said, well, we'll help you. And um, so after that, I did a lot of um, what I call wall walking. If I'd get to the wall, I could walk down the wall okay. And uh, I do have to admit that I crawled across the floor a couple times when I was uncomfortable, like trying to make it to over to the counter or a chair or something. Um, but I had a friend come down. Uh, my wife was uh, teaching and she was uh, had exams, it was midterm exams or something. So she couldn't get out of school at all. So I had a friend come down. He knew nothing about physical therapy, but he was bigger than me. Um, six feet. And he was about six, four. And that goes a long way. And so he walked me for a week in my driveway on the gate belt. And then he left and my wife was still busy. Well, I said, okay, either you walk on your own or you don't walk. And so I headed out and I stayed away from the driveway because it's concrete. And I walked in the grass, which is harder because you have to pick your feet up farther to not drag them in the grass. But I figured um, if I fell, it was a lot softer. And I didn't fall. And I eventually went up to the um, back to the driveway and I started um, walking myself. And since I had was training for the senior games and I had trained for some triathlons in my 40s, um, I knew what training was, so I just kind of said to myself, okay, Ralph, you know what you got to do. You know how to train. This is your new training program. You know, you're going to spend your time every day learning how to walk again and trying to get this darn hand to move because my hand was stuck in my lap. I had, um, well, my fingers weren't open. They weren't in a fist either. They were about like that. And I was working on opening them. I could do that like that, but I could only do it in my lap. I couldn't get my arm out of my lap. Uh, a lot of things were backwards for me. Uh, well, I walking came, well, I was going to say fairly easily, but it didn't come fairly easily. Walking came easier than the rest of the stuff that I had to do, which was a lot harder. How about that? Because walking was not easy. And um, they say that you get your um, shoulder, then your elbow, then your wrist, then your hand. Mm -mm, not me. I got my hand, then my wrist, then my elbow, and my shoulder was last. Took me. I was walking pretty good at six months. 
even after starting over, I can talk about that if you want, because uh, I started over because uh, the whole form versus distance and speed thing. But uh, I was walking okay at, at six months. It took me over a year to get my arm to go all, all the way up over my head. And at six months, uh, I had I was doing opposition and uh and various things with my hand too, but my shoulder was a real, real problem. So I, I went backwards and, you know, there are, since every stroke is unique, every recovery is also unique. And, you know, I, I've, I've learned that, um, I've learned not to, um, when I'm talking to other stroke survivors, I've learned not to take anything for granted and not to think that, I, I have any clue as to what's normal because I, if you do, you'll be surprised. You know, people will always, um, you know, you'll guess wrong. So I try and listen to, to people. Um, I got uh, caught up in the whole um, form versus uh, distance thing. Uh, I actually had a, I live in a small town. I had a physical therapist who I wasn't real crazy about. And I asked him what was more important, form or, or, or distance. And he said, distance. Well, the, his uh, PTA, his physical therapy assistant, when the session was over, she chased me out in the parking lot and said, he's wrong. I can't say this in front of him, but he's wrong. Uh, Form is more important than than distance. And at that point, I was six. I was about four months in, and I could walk three miles, but I walked like Chester on Gunsmoke. I had a lot of hip weakness. I still had some upper leg weakness. I had core weakness. People ask me, "This is I'm going to jump ship, but I'll come back." People ask me what the what the 13 year survivor would say to the 13 week survivor. And I would say to the, my younger, newer stroke self, core, core, core. Nobody talked to me about core. And um, it's really key to um, balance, being upright, proper posture, and all these things contribute to how you walk. People think, oh, well, I'll just go walk, right? And they have terrible posture and they're leaning and everything. Well, to some degree, you want to go walk, but to other degrees, you want to work on getting all those things that are wrong with you in terms of your posture and everything. You want to kind of try and work them out before you build up too much walking because I found you can, I found with not only with myself, but with some of the stroke survivors that I help, sometimes we have to accept things. And, you know, you have to say, well, you can't walk without that. So we have to accept that. And then later you have to get rid of that. You have to train them to get rid of that thing that you accepted so that they can get to a better place. So after that, she chased me out in the parking lot. I called back to my uh, to care partners, the rehab hospital I was in, and I talked. To, I really had a lot of respect for my physical therapist there, and um, so I asked them about the whole thing. They said, "Oh no, absolutely, form over distance." They said, "Stop walking along. Stop counting how far you're going. 
And they suggested that I walk on my heels and that I walk on my toes. Well, those are not things that I recommend to people who aren't don't have pretty good balance and you better be able to walk, you know, a few hundred feet at least on your own before you try them because they're trickier. So I was at that point that I could do it. And I, I'm here to tell you, if you want to dorsiflect your, your, um, your, your ankles, uh, try walking on your heels because you're basically walking with that toe up. Um, so I went back to walking in the driveway. One lap was a 20th of a mile, 20 laps of the mile. So I stopped doing 60 laps or going out to the end of my road and back and and I just started, I'd walk one normal, one on my toes, one normal, one on my heels, one normal, and just go through that whole cycle. Every other one was normal, and every fourth one was heels and toes. And um, I, that really changed my walking. They said to concentrate on, on form. And I don't remember if they told me, my wife and I used to power walk. She actually race walks, and I can actually do the could do the whole uh, hip thing where you don't take your feet off, uh, you don't bend your knees. The difference between running and race walking has to do with your hip action and not bending your knees the same. So I could actually race walk. So I did what I would call a stroke survivor's version of power walking. It did not look like power walking because I had a lot of trouble. I couldn't hold my uh, left arm up high enough to you know be pumping them both straight forward but i did very strong opposition very um exaggerated almost because opposition is how babies learn to crawl and it's very important to learning how to walk or anything that you're doing because we're bilateral as human beings so um i did that for a long for a while Actually, it didn't take all that long. Within a month, I was, you know, uh, I was able to, you know, walk a mile like that, uh, you know, with proper form. So, and what I also found was, I they said, don't worry about speed, don't worry about distance. Well, I found that the better I walked, the faster I walked, whether I had to, whether I was trying to or not. I mean, so now I preach that. Um, speed and distance follow form. Get your form together and you're more likely to walk fast. The times that I've tried to walk fast, I've ended up, you know, I've ended up on the ground on my knees because you have to be able to stop too. When you try and go too fast, you tend to do that thing. You know, we've all like run down the hill and you get going too fast and you feel like you're going to fall on your nose and you try and get your feet going fast enough that you don't fall on your nose. Well, that's kind of what happens to you. Happened to me over in the parking lot next, next door to me one time when I was trying to, you know, deal with speed. I got all done. I realized I was like kind of leaning forward the last lap or two and I went to stop and I didn't really fall. I dropped my knees, skinned one knee. Um, so I, 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 I preach form because um, speed and distance will follow. The other thing is if you work on form, then you're building less problems into your walking that you have to solve later. 
Yeah, when you got this big old stiff leg that doesn't bend at the knee, by the way, it's not your knee. I answer this question every single day. My knee won't bend. So I say, okay, sit in a straight back chair. Okay, what's happening? Where's your leg? Is it sticking straight out? And they go, no, it's, uh, it's a, oh, so it's flat on the ground next to your other one? They go, yeah. I go, well, your knee bends. Your knee won't bend when you walk because you have upper leg, hip, and core weakness. You know, if you can't pick up that leg, then you can't, um, you, you, you're not going to be able to do a lot of things. You're not going to be able to bend your knee. You're not going to be able to heel strike. You're not going to be able to dorsiflect and roll off that toe. You're going to have the whole hip weakness thing, too, where you dip to that side, like Chester. Um, Chester on Gunsmoke actually wore a two-inch lift on the other side to make him limp like that. And that's kind of what you got going on. It's not that your leg is shorter. It's that you can't walk tall on it. That's what I call it. I made up my own language for all this stuff. I'm sure there's medical terms for it, but I called it walking tall. And I could actually, I also fool around a lot. I'm a photographer and I'm really observant and I'm really intense and I'm very detail oriented. So I can see things. In my photography, I see things other people don't see. I don't know what I see in terms of when I look at stroke survivors, but I've got some ability to focus on what I'm trying to look at. And I did this with myself. And I noticed if I put my hands on my hips a certain way, and I went into physical therapy and I'd ask them, I started just fooling around, as I'd call it. That was four months out. I noticed if I put my hands on my hips a certain way, that it minimized that. Um, so I did that. I don't know. I mean, I just figured, okay, if I can get rid of it, then this was kind of the beginning of this whole thing that I have now about patterning and my whole thing about patterning now over the last three or four years, I've gotten really interested in, in, uh, patterning. So what I was doing, I think was, you know, holding my hips and trying to pattern myself I have this feeling that, you know, when I work with people, I try and keep them in a good zone. If I'm walking with a gate belt or whatever I'm doing, we're trying to do it good. And you have to spend enough time in that good zone for your brain to get it. Um, so there I was, you know, walking away. I had this other realization about patterning. And that was that um, there are two kinds of brain patterning. One is the, what I was doing with the power walking, but the other one is I'll be okay. I'm going to thrive. Positive affirmations. The way you think patterns your brain. That's why every time anybody calls me a victim, I go, I'm not a victim. And please don't, I correct them politely. Please don't use that word. We are survivors. When, if you think of yourself as a victim, you're much more likely to become a victim in my mind. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's in my mind. And I think it's true. So I try and preach to other stroke survivors, you know, things that are positive, you know, make up a mantra. I've got one. I am thriving. I am going to thrive. I am going to thrive. I am thriving. Yeah, and it repeats. I say it both ways. And you can start with either one. Um, because I think that that's a, another type of patterning that's going on. I'm going to be okay. You know, I got, you know, I got this. Did I have it every day? Hell no. 
Hell no. But I was lucky enough to, I had bad days. I didn't, I never strung a bunch of bad days together. I was depressed. I was clinically depressed like a lot of people. I was on antidepressants for 18 months. I'm here to tell all you guys, I was one of you. And I said, I don't want to get on these stupid pills. Well, you know, they're like any other tool. So stop being a guy, get off your damn high horse. And if you need help, accept it. Um, because they were a really valuable tool for me. And um, I um, asked my wife about getting off of them and asked the doctors and everybody felt I was ready and I got off of them and haven't been on them since. But I was on them for about 18 months and I found them um, fairly useful. So I had, if I had a bad day, I'd just say, okay, tomorrow's another day. And luckily it was. I have a lot of empathy for anybody who's depressed who ends up stringing a bunch of bad days together because it's really, really hard to get out of the, of the pit that you get in. And so if I was having a bad day, I'd just kind of try and lose myself in something, do a lot of physical therapy or, or whatever. I, I called it um, Dive Till Tomorrow. It's a, a version of fake it until you can make it. And I know some people hate fake it till you can make it, but it worked for me. Uh, and so I'm heavily influenced by what worked for me. Um, I didn't have any devices. I was out in the country. I went to physical therapy. Yeah, they had like a foam thing you could walk down and they had parallel bars and they had a couple of things, but we didn't have all those robotic arms and everything. I'm not a big believer in them because you still have to train your brain. You can walk around the rest of your life with a robotic arm, but you still have to at some point wean yourself off of it. You have to make the connections. Now, it might help you make the connections. I'm not dissing any devices. I'm saying that I was heavily influenced by the fact that I didn't have any and I managed to get better on my own. Um, and while we're talking about doing a lot of physical therapy, I did 10 to 12 hours a day. I did walking every other hour and I did uh, hand, arm, uh, hand, uh, arm and shoulder every other hour. So I do... Um, you know, and of course I'd eat breakfast and lunch in there and occasionally I had doctor's appointments, but I kept like a hammer and putty and rubber bands in the car. I couldn't drive. I could drive, but nobody wanted me driving for a few months. Um, and so when I was riding in the car, I was always, you know, pulling on, you know, doing opposition or squeezing putty. By the way, once you can squeeze putty, stop squeezing putty. Because squeezing works against extension, and the muscles that can that you use to let me get to, to close your hand are nine times stronger than the ones that you use to open it. And guess what? They're up here. If you close your hand, you feel the muscles. You maybe even see them tightening here. So um, once you can grip something, you don't really want to work on gripping because you have to um, fight those muscles that want to close it. Um, spasticity is kind of an interesting thing. I got asked to be on a show and talk about it. And I said, oh, I know a bit about it from my point of view, but I looked it up so it wouldn't appear to be such an idiot when I was talking about it. 
And uh, one of the things that happens is like that. Okay, like dorsiflexion. There's a group of muscles on the top of your calf, three muscles. They're called the iliad group or something like that. And they work against dorsiflexion. It's not that you can't move your toe. It's most of the time, it's that you've got another muscle group that's so tight that you can't invoke the muscle that you want to. So you have to learn how to um, get the other muscles that are preventing you from doing it before you can deal with, with the muscle you want to work. That's something else I'm very interested in. I used it a little bit in my therapy, and that would be like blocking and muscle isolation. How do you work exactly what you want to work? You know, one of the first things that people do is they go to lift their shoulder. What do they do? Before they even get their shoulder up, they've got their whole body, you know, up into it, you know. And, 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 and so. Hey, Ralph, let me take one minute and pause to all the our audience. Sure. This is below Bryce Brand in North Carolina. Thank you for joining us this morning. I also want to acknowledge Melissa Troop in Oklahoma. Thank you for joining. Stephanie, I don't think I've ever... Do you know who Stephanie is? Shepa Deppa? Mm-mm. She must I be somebody I don't know who she is. Well, yeah, thank you for Stephanie. being with us this morning, Deppa. Or uh, Stephanie, start bringing out there. And there's my sister, Misty. She says, good morning. I know. And then, um, you know, you're talking about. I know Brisa, too. No, Brisa. Oh. No, Brisa. Brisa's going to be on Brisa tomorrow. Brisa, don't log in syndrome. So when did she get me on her show? Come tomorrow. Not soon. Tomorrow. 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 Brisa's getting her show. Brisa. Brisa's getting her show tomorrow. And we're really looking forward to that. That's good. Let me touch on what she just Here's said. Here's what Brisa says about you. Here's what Brisa said about you, Ralph. Okay. Yeah, yes. So I told you guys I wouldn't have any trouble talking. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I love what you said about the mind over matter thing that you know tell yourself when you keep telling yourself um you can string you know that something's bad you can string a bunch of days along that are bad it's so true because if you think about when you start feeling hungry and you know you can't eat for a while and that's all you think about is i'm hungry i'm hungry that's all you're going to feel. But as soon as you put that out of your mind and you say, I'm not hungry, you need to think about something else, all of a sudden you can manage not eating for those few hours that you know you're not going to be able to eat. And just think of it that way and, you, and you'll get that. But I love how you have such a passion to learn for yourself. But now what you're doing, and we've got to have you on a lot more, honestly, because your, your ability to not just um, thrive, but how you explain and how you um, tell people what you're trying to tell them. With, because a lot of times when you go to doctors, it's very overwhelming. But the way you've explained even like the, the muscles, like don't keep squeezing because it's so true. Once you can do this movement, then you don't want to keep doing this movement. You want to do the other movement. And it's just incredible to listen to you speak. I love it. 
Well, well I, I can't see I also want to say, no faith to meet yourself and you're not talking yet, so don't have that go. Don't forget to meet yourself when you're not wondering. Thank you. Ralph, you know, honestly, that if you guys haven't realized, Ralph Bass had two, he's a story survivor, but he also has a more, uh, where he's taking this stroke to a different level, and everybody has the potential to do it, but we don't. And a lot of that has to do with that depression and rapid all depressed breathing do. But I'm telling Ralph also has a passion for taking a stroke and using it to help people. Ralph, tell me a little bit about your mission to help people, help survivors. Okay. I'm going to tie it back to what Deborah was just talking about because one of the things once I started helping people was um, I realized it was more than showing up at their house doing physical therapy. For example, the first, second person that I took on, I showed up at her house and she had a caregiver who was stealing from her and not showing up and she hadn't had a shower in 11 days. Well, you, you can't do physical therapy. It's like being hungry. I mean, she had to have a shower on her mind, not, not, not getting better. Anyhow, I ended up taking a lot of people to um, doctor's appointments as well because they have mobility issues. So I became a patient advocate for a number of stroke survivors. And we ran into the same thing, Deborah, in the doctor's office. See, I, I know enough, I've studied enough and learned enough and talked to enough doctors that I know kind of what they're talking about when they're talking about infarct and things like that. They throw around these terms that we don't know. And so with some of the stroke survivors, I... Um, I took to doctor's appointments. When we get back in the car, I'd say, um, you want to know what the doctor said? And they'd always go, yeah, 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 tell me. So I'd tell them in, in English. So I cultivated that skill. The other thing is I kind of cultivated that skill um, in trying to be helpful because you can't say to somebody who's depressed, just get over it, you know? I mean, it's the last thing you ever want to say to them. So I found that, Sometimes, particularly when I was trying to get people to be realistic about their situation, that I that sometimes it was perceived that I was being too harsh. So I had to learn a whole language in terms of. Um, see, I'm I'm different in in my I have a Facebook group called Stroke Buddies, and it's different than other groups, and I run it differently, and I'm a different uh, owner than. Uh, than most uh, most people have a group, um, just have a group. They're, they don't participate in it. I answer questions every single day in my group and about, I don't know, four or five, six others. Anytime I see something that I can contribute to, I answer it. So I'm really, really active. And as a uh, videographer, I've also encouraged people um, to um, post videos. And I've also rounded up a few people. You know, it was funny, yesterday we were talking and we, uh, on the Stroke Buddies support group meeting we have every Tuesday. We had a new person, he was telling me all these people that he really loved that he followed. And he, it was Neil Isaac, Brandon Wave, David Lauderdale, and um, who else? There were four of them. And I said, well, 
That's great because I actually recruited all four of them and brought them into this group because I liked what they were doing. They, I, I drove five hours to meet Neil Isaac and took my video camera and interviewed him. And uh, he's posted video in Stroke Buddies every day since. Nine, that was two and a half years ago, eight, nine hundred days. He's been posting videos and inspiring people. Thank you, Neil. And um, so it's a very different kind of a, um, uh, a group in that um, I believe the most powerful thing that you can show another stroke survivor is somebody similar to them getting better. And I believe that you get better at home. I believe that you do better if you take that you're only going to get better if you after you uh, take responsibility for your own recovery. This is a big one. And and trying to establish a, a different kind of relationship with your physical therapist. Most people go into the physical therapist and they say, okay, here I am. They don't say this out loud, but their attitude is, okay, here I am, make me better. Well, no one can make you better. No one can make you better. You're the only one who can make you better. So, so how can you do that? Well, one way is to have a really good relationship with your physical therapist. So first thing I did, because I was doing this eight, 10 hours a day at home, I wanted more stuff to do at home. I was doing everything that anybody ever showed me, but I wanted more and more and more because I got tired of doing the same things. And I also felt like if, that people might give me things that were more and more difficult and it would help with my progression towards getting better. So I, uh, my, uh, I started asking physical therapists when I was with them for homework. And guess what? I'd go home and do the homework. So they'd give me homework and I'd say, show me, because I have to watch it visually. You do one and then I got, and then I'll do one and then I'll go home and do them. So they would do one, I'd say like this, and I'd do one and I'd say, yep. And I'd say, see you next week and I'll be able to do that. The first couple times they went, mm, they weren't so sure. But I'd go home and do it, you know, an hour a day all week. And I'd come back and I'd do it. And what, what does that do with your physical therapist? It's not about me, by the way, being great or anything, but I'm trying to tell people how to do this. If you do that, then your physical therapist is going to look at you in an entirely different way. You can't come back and do something you couldn't do a week ago if you didn't do your homework. So they immediately know that you did your homework. They immediately know that you bought into your own recovery. These are people that go into the business because they want to help people. So they can see the difference between somebody who really truly wants to get better and is putting the effort in versus somebody who comes and goes, you know, make me better. Um, so I want to comment on there, Rob, because that really up in the true male life. And I, like you've dealt with thousands of stroke survivors around the world. And a lot of stroke survivors believe that they 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 go well he just worked being me better. But I think you really are key hitting on something real key. Take responsibility for your own recovery. Oh yeah, that's my number one thing. That's what that's what I preach to people. Because I see so many people like sitting on the sidelines. They won't start because they're afraid of failure. So if you don't start, then you can't fail. And, and that's not a good place to be. Okay, I believe in neuroplasticity. And I believe you can get better 
no matter how far long ago your stroke was. At 11 years, I learned to throw a tennis ball with my left hand. And I did it every day for 30 days. And um, so I had uh, 24 feet in the beginning and 44 feet after 30 days. Plus in the beginning, I didn't get one of them on the course, not a one. And uh, after 30 days, I got eight out of 10 of them. I actually went down the middle towards the camera on the course. So I did that to prove that. However, neuroplasticity is a kind of a fading thing. I mean, you have more of it closer to your insult or injury. It also happens with other types of things other than just stroke uh, and, and TBI. But so I think that it's important to make that realization as early on as you can. And I know that that's difficult. I was sitting there trying to have a pity party for myself. You know, like, you know, I had bad days. I mean, I know what I'm asking, but if you want to get better, the best thing you can do is accept responsibility. Um, I tell people that the answer is within you. It's not contained in any device or any magic pill or anything. It's within you. You've got the power to make yourself better. Um, and because I don't, I, I don't diss devices. Uh, just like I don't, um, you know, physical therapists are incredibly useful. Who else are you going to measure your progress with? Who else is going to give you homework? Who else can you turn to to learn and, and get resources from? Um, so, but I don't believe that the cavalry is coming. I don't believe that the doctors talk about you after they walk out of the uh, examination room. You know, so... They don't. As a nurse, I can tell you they don't. They and don't. What you just said about you know, um, you know, go in and have people tell you, well, you know, make me better. I say this is kind of like driving school, guys. Your driver's ed teacher is going to put you in that car and they're going to teach you what to do, how things work. It's up to you to get to become a better driver or be a race car driver if you want. That's the, what he's getting at, and I love this because as a nurse. You are touching everything inside of me that is what I stand for, is you have to take accountability. You have to be your own advocate. Take the lessons that you're being told. Learn the techniques. But if they don't work, like Ralph says, do them differently. Do what works for you. But do it. And I hear so many people reach out to me, Ralph, and it's so heartbreaking that they stop and say, well, you know, I'm already five years out or I'm this and they told me I've reached my max. Who's they? You know, nobody can tell you where your max is. You know, doctors don't know. They're not God. And you need to realize that this is going to be ongoing and you can heal and get as better, best results as you can by doing it yourself. So I love this. This is like right up my alley conversation today. Thank you so much. Well, see, the thing about doctors is they take averages. They take the average person. The yep. average person isn't going to get off, off their butt, maybe. Yep. They don't factor in the human spirit, and they don't factor in people like me, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, because, you know, like I said, I, I was a complete maniac. I did this from 7 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock at night. <laughs> around the back porch with my hammer after I was done, you know, watching the sun go down. I, you know, 
I realized that not everybody can do what I did. And that's, but one of the things uh, I meant to say earlier was all of my videos on my YouTube channel are shot in my home uh, because I believe you get better at home. So everything I got is shot in my in in my home, and I like I got a counter, and I'm looking at the fence. So I show you how to do it on the counter. I show you how to do it with a grab bar on the counter. I show you me doing it on the fence. Uh, with when I interviewed Neil Isaac, there wasn't anything else to grab onto, so he grabbed onto a dresser. I try and get people to think about. See, so many people say, "Well, I can't do that." Well, no, you can't. As long as you have that attitude, you can't. So I'm trying to, you know, change that to a I can attitude. I'm trying to get people to think for themselves. I find that uh, I'm not trying to, to work around any stroke survivors, but when I answer questions, a lot of times I'm just doing the thinking for them. It's common sense to me, uh, and they don't seem to connect the dots. So I'm happy to do it. I do it over and over again. Sometimes I refer to what I do as like living in Groundhog Day. Um, I actually have a 50-page Word document where I have every good paragraph I've ever written because I'm not going to write another paragraph on Botox. I already got one with, with links to articles that tell you what I'm telling you, which is Botox doesn't work on its own. You have to do the physical therapy if you want to keep some of the advances. It'll loosen you up, and now you can do it. So you got to do a bunch of it so you can maybe keep three-quarters of it when the Botox wears off. Absolutely. Uh, Just like diet alone and changing your eating habit alone doesn't work. you got to move that body. Everything right. I get it over I hate to say this, but we're down to close the shows. Deborah and I used to take the last five minutes to do the last TV. But, Ralphie, having you on her show has been great for me. And I know it's been really, really inspiring for the audience. So, thank you for being here. And then, Fred, how do people get all you? What the best? Best way to contact you or to hold you, and there's everybody knows out there. Rob is getting back on and money, get more into yep. the nuts, both of recovery. But yep. how do people get hold of you? Well, I'm bringing my soapbox back and get up on it anytime you want. <laughs> Love it. We're Love gonna take you up on that, bro. Oh yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for coming on. Because I do want to encourage everybody to visit Rob Person's YouTube channel. Really good YouTube channel. I'm myself enjoying. It's Rob Person video. No space Rob Person video. Just yeah. so you have it on the thing, Rob. I can't think enough to. Be for me, well, Ralph, what is the name of your group again? I want to make sure he okay. says his Yeah, group. well, I'm on Facebook. It's Ralph Preston. I'm also, um, the name of my group is um, Stroke Buddies, by and for stroke survivors. If you put in Stroke Buddies, it's the only one. The concept is um, if, if um, everybody took on somebody else who had a stroke, then everybody would have a stroke buddy. And I so that's that. kind of what we try and do. Facebook kind of doesn't work very well that way because you can't search people by where they're located. 
but we kind of try and help each other out. That's what the videos are all about in Stroke Buddies. If you show people, other people getting better, I think it inspires them and it makes them say, I can do that. And so I'm just going to keep on keeping on. Absolutely. And let me say one well, more thing you. about something thank else. Thank you so you much for, uh, for being there. Thank you for being here. One more thing I want to say to Ralph, which is incredible that you said about watch one, do one, and teach one. That's incredible that you said that. Again, back to touching my roots of nursing. When I was in nursing school, that's how we learned to do procedures. We watched one. We did one and then we taught one. And that is the best advice I'm going to give anybody out here is watch one, do one, and then share it on and teach it. I'm a visual okay. learner, so that helps mm -hmm. me. Also, I have I have pretty good body awareness. That's helped me a bunch in, in my recovery. And I got pretty good muscle memory. So if I do one, when I get home, what I do is when I do one at therapy, as soon as I get home, I do like five or 10 and make sure I got it and lock it into that muscle memory. And then I'm good. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Perfect. All Great right. advice. I can't wait to have you back on. Well, you, you let me so know. We're going to be back on soon, Ralph. I really cannot think of that. Thank you, this thank you for my life. Thank you for being here, bro. No problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Bye, Ralph. Bye-bye. Well, Deborah, that was great, huh? He's incredible. He's incredible. Yeah. That's why I wanted to bring him on, and I wanted people to understand that if you pe if you watch people that are doing what you want to do, that's how you're going to grow. If you watch people that are in these groups, not bad. I'm not bad, bad you know, trying to badmouth anybody in here, guys. But don't follow the people that are telling you. You may never get past it. You're, I've seen these conversations. People will say to someone, well, at five years, you're probably at your top peak recovery. Don't listen to that, guys. Follow somebody like Ralph, you know, and reach out to people that you see that are still in. That's why Aaron always says he doesn't like saying recovery, you know, because it's rebuilding. And thank you so much, Melissa. It is rebuilding. We need to rebuild our lives and we need to restructure it differently. If you may never be that same person again, odds are you won't, but you can still be incredible. So just keep that in your mind and hang on to that. And we will have him back again because such an inspiration. Heck, I'd love to see him do a show on our platform. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it'd be pretty cool, VP, if you if talk to him about that. I am going to talk show. to him. He did a so, weekly, Ralph, if you're out there, I'm coming. <laughs> uh, if he did a weekly or bi-weekly or monthly show on yes. Stroke TV Network, what a value that would be to our community. Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he's already doing it. So for him, it's a passion and you can see it, you can hear it. And I love how he said when he goes to the doctors with his patients and he tells them, now do you want to know what they said? That's what I keep talking about when I say one day, when we get to that position in our, in, in our journey here on Stroke TV, I want to have everybody be a, like a Ralph 
if you can be that person in your community and somebody new has a stroke, they will reach out on Stroke TV. We will hook them up with somebody that can be there for them and explain it in layman's language. Because a lot of times as a nurse, I can tell you, I broke my heart with pa patients would come out and they'd say, I don't really understand what the doctor said. Yeah. It's heartbreaking because, you know, as a nurse, you explain it as much as you can, but you have so many other things going on. You can't sit and spend that time. But if we can get somebody to be a buddy to somebody, you have pen pals all over the world. People pen pal. Why not be a stroke buddy like his, his, the name of his group? So we got a lot of things to think about with Ralph. Yeah, I'm going to tell you about an idea I just got to. Wouldn't it be incredible to have all star groups under star TV? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so Absolutely. people can come to one place and watch. And on one place, they can go look. Yep, just go on one place and go under and look at all the groups that are there, figure out which one's best for you. That would be incredible. All right. So remember, you're recovering. Your rebuilding your life after your stroke is up to you. You are the one, only one that can heal yourself, that can do the work. So do it. I know I'm excited. I'm chomping a bit to go walk right now. I'm about to walk. So, Deb, but thank you for the great show. Thank you for getting Ralph on here. And we appreciate it. I'm really looking forward to what this going. I really am looking forward to it. Me so too. more if you guys on found value, please share, 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 share. Tell share, everybody like you know video, to go to YouTube. Yeah, and try to get as many people as you can to subscribe to our Star TV YouTube channels. So important. So important. That's what we need more than anything, guys. Of course, we can always take donations if you want, but... Right now, we just really need to build up our YouTube channel so we can monetize, and then we can really start doing good things. We also need a team, guys. We want to build a team. So we're going to put this out there, too. Aaron and I are a two-man show, and it is getting crazy with what's going on. So if anybody has something you think you can offer and you want to help us, jump on board. And when we're monetized, guys, we're all going to be getting paid. I mean, you know what I'm saying? So if, if it's something you want to do and you want to be part of this growing, incredible movement, um, start now, you know, give us your a hand, give us your time. Just we'll let you know, you know, what we can need help with but the biggest thing is to share 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 and tell everyone you know put this on your page create a page that says please to all my friends on Facebook go and subscribe up to YouTube stroke TV channel that's what we need the most guys thank you so much yeah so I want to just reiterate what, what Deborah just said we need your help. We need volunteers. And it's going to be on volunteer until we earn enough money to pay people. We don't have it. So, yes, volunteer now. Come to the show. Come. We need help business-wise. I do all the rabbit, do all the show scheduling. Deborah does, gets a gas. I mean, we're, we're working our tails off. We definitely, yeah. now, I'll tell you, Deborah, you blew me away with our video, Melissa Troop. 
she, uh, I had no idea. She was like this professional strokes of her. I mean, she has so many titles, so many things behind her name. Can't get about them. I know. But, I can't wait to have her on. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. So, yeah. remember, Brisa is on tomorrow. Once you thought about it, go on. Go on. Brisa and Jason tomorrow together. Well, yep. It's going to be quite inspirational because we're going to hear yeah, a little bit about her story. Tomorrow show with Brisa and Jason. It is going to be at that's at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Stroke TV YouTube channel. And Friday, we have an incredible global business celebrity, Jeffrey Hazelhart. That is, that's going to be guys, we're going to create We're going to create the post for Brisa and Jason. Um, I'm going to drop it on my Facebook. Aaron will have it in the group and on his Facebook. So please take it, share this, because tomorrow you guys want to hear her story. She goes from locked in to being amazingly successful in what she's doing. And you're going to hear some amazing stories of how she came out mm -hmm. of her locked in syndrome by moving a pinky, guys. And her... Her whole journey is called Pinky Moves. You guys, I'm telling you, I'm getting emotional. We've got some incredible shows, incredible guests. Uh, by the way, I she's the only one that I know about for God. It's a miracle of God, honestly. It's got I have one in 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 uh air in um Australia that's gonna come on too. Locked in to one. Locked in. Oh mm -hmm. my god. That came out of it. How, how amazing. So, guys, we come on board, get on board the Start TV train, and you don't choo need choo. your ticket just to get on board. Choo -choo. Thank you for being here, everyone. Goodbye, Deborah. I'm excited. Bye, guys. Bye.